return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Name. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's a blessing for us to teach the Word of God here or many places in the world. I've been to 13 nations and many, many missions trips and so forth. Uh, John Wesley said, you know, he says, I look on the world as my parish. So there's always a place to share the gospel and minister to people and bless people and encourage people. Jesus said in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. So only what you know, the level that you know the word of God will be the freedom that you're at. So a lot of people have been saved, they know about Jesus, but, but maybe that's it. So the level of the truth you know will indicate the freedom where you're, where you're at. Therefore, verse 36, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So we can be totally free when we walk in His Word. I, lo- I, w- I love talking about victory, and I believe even today God's going to speak to people here about being victorious in their lives. And standing in victory and living in victory and walking in victory. Romans chapter 6 says that sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not dominate you. Sin shall not uh, cause you to be in bondage. And we're not under law, thank God, but we're under grace. But under grace, we should have more victory. Amen? Because it causes, even if, even if you get knocked down, it causes you to get back up and keep going forward. Amen? And not, and not being... Uh, oppressed or anything like that, but continuing to persevere to Jesus, to want all that he's got to give you. Amen. So, so sin shall not have dominion. The spirit should have dominion. The Holy Spirit should have dominion. Romans chapter eight then just says this, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. So when we come into Jesus Christ, we automatically, of course, forgiveness of sins, hallelujah, but automatically we receive uh, this freedom. Uh, for a lot, for most people, when you give your life to Christ, you just feel like, ah, I can breathe. You know, there's a load lifted. Well, that's because you're forgiven, amen? But you have to continue to walk in that place in God. Continue to walk in that forgiveness. Continue to walk in what He wants you to do. Amen? If you don't, if you don't, you, you get started on the right path, but then that's all the farther you go. Lots and lots of Christians, they, they go to church and so forth, but, but let's just face it. Most Christians don't read their Bible. Most Christians aren't pers- pursuing Jesus, wanting to get freer and freer. That's why churches, you know, get more and more calm and sedate. Rather than excited and so forth, they get more calm and sedate. When you stay alive and revived in Jesus, you're pretty excited. Why? Because he's in you. He's in you. He's alive. And everything in life looks totally different. But if we allow ourselves just to think, we think, well, I'll just maintain. Usually we're not maintaining, you're going backwards. So if you're just in the water, like the current of the world, the current of the world is going to take you to the rocks. 
So you want to be anchored in Jesus and you want to be so alive in, alive in him that, that you're free from sin and death. You're free from the bondages of the world. Amen. Something you pursue, something you you decide you're going to do that. When Jeannie and I met each other in, in college and stuff at the end of college and, and uh, so forth, and we got married after college. But we decided we were going to pursue Jesus. And we, we went to a Pentecostal church in Sioux Falls, and one of the older men who was one of the quote-unquote elders or whatever the church just kind of indicated, hey, that's great, but you'll cool off. You know, you'll kind of mature. And we looked at this man, we looked sadly, looked at this man realizing, if you're the, ass, if you're the model of maturity, we don't want it. We don't want your maturity where you're kind of like this, you know, and you're, you know so much, but, you, but there's no life, there's no joy, there's no freedom. Forget it. We don't want that. We pursued all our life to be alive unto God and to live our life in that way, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where we're at. We can be in the hospital. We can be people around us, but we're going to freely pray. We're going to freely worship. We're going to freely exalt the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. If you can't, now remember, if you can't do that here, you will never do that out there. This is training ground. This is training ground. So if you can't be free in the spirit and excited for Jesus here, out there, forget it. The world swallows people up and swallows Christians up. And pretty soon they look just pretty normal like everybody else. Nobody knows what they really believe or if they're a believer. 1 Corinthians 15. It says he's given us the victory. Amen. He's give, he gives it. You don't have to work for it in terms of, in terms of having to uh, uh, deserve it or something. When you come into Christ, he just gives you the victory. He gives you this grace to live for him. And folks, the Bible, we didn't even have anybody disciple us. Somehow we just thought, man, we want the word of God. So we were both just saved out of denominational backgrounds. Jeannie was a Catholic. I was a good Lutheran. But we dug in the Word of God. We didn't have people sit down and say, no, you've got to learn this and this and this. No, just learn the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the Word. Learn the Bible because the more you learn the Bible, the freer you get. And the more you learn it, the more you realize what He gave to you. Amen? Now, the one adversary that you or I have is the devil. That's the only adversary. It's not people, it's not other things, it's not, it's not things in the world or whatever. It's just one adversary, that's the devil. You always got to remember that, amen? Because otherwise you can look at people like, oh, they're doing this and this and this. No, they might be lost or whatever, but your only adversary is the devil. So you've got to stand, you have to stand for what you believe or what you want to believe in the Word of God. Now, couple of things here. The American Revolution. How many know history? How many know American history? The American Revolution, of course, was started in, in uh, 1775. And it started against two, against the British, right? Because we were, we were under British rule at that time yet in the United States. And so in 1776, there was a declaration made. And the declaration was that we are going to be independent from British rule from this time forth. And so they had this, they convened it, they, had a, they made a declaration. I remember, we're already at war. But now they made a declaration, 1776, that we're free. Now, were they free right away? No. How long did it take to get freedom? It took seven more years, right. 
seven more years of war, seven more years of fighting, seven more years of standing, believing, and so forth, loss of life, before they actually got their freedom. Of course, freedom isn't free, is it? So, so they had to stand for it. They had to fight for what was, what was theirs. So the Declaration of Independence declares our freedom from British rule, or rule for that matter, from any other uh, country or whatever over top of us. And after that came the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Now, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights came in 1787, right? And the Constitution, the intent of the Constitution one, was then to establish a government and design how to rule, right? At that point in time. Now, even after that, of course, there were divisions in the country because people were fighting and people had different factions and so forth like that. And then our country has a civil war. Civil war. There was many aspects of the civil war, but one of the aspects, one of them was slavery, all right? So people in the South thought that they could have slaves and people in the North deemed it at that point. Some did have slaves in the North also, by the way. But then they made a choice that, no, we would abolish slavery. So they made a proclamation again. They called it the Emancipation Proclamation, right? And Abraham Lincoln made this on Civil Wars on and so forth, but he made this in 1863. Now, when he made this proclamation, which therefore liberated all slaves then at that point, were all slaves actually liberated? No, no it took another two years, actually two and a half years before that actually to be fulfilled. All right, so he makes a proclamation. Civil war is going on. The Civil War ends, and there's still stuff happening. There's still slavery in the South and so forth. And it wasn't until they came down to Galveston, Texas in 1865 and liberated those last slaves. And the date in 1865 was June 19th. And they begin to celebrate their liberty from slavery. Actually, in 1979, it became an official Texas holiday, 1979. And for short, they called it Juneteenth, which celebrates liberty from slavery. That's something we should all celebrate, actually. Amen. There's still slavery in the world today, all around the world. There's slaves in various countries and so forth. If you're joining us right now, Facebook Live or YouTube or whatever, we bless you. A lot of you are coming to us from other countries, but we bless you. We bless India in the name of Jesus, and we're praying for you in India. Samson's on. So we bless you, Samson, in the name of Jesus and your ministry there in uh, Shatur and so forth in India, in Jesus' name. But a lot of you understand there are still slaves. And people are still put into bondage. And people are still mistreated racially and economically and socially and all kinds of politically. Yeah. In fact, you know, people used to think that racism, they say, oh, it's, well, it's terrible in the United States. Folks, it's worldwide. Yeah. So people act like this is an American issue. No, this is a world issue. And you know where it comes from? It comes from the devil. Imagine that. So that's why there are issues around the world to this day. Because people act like, oh, you just fix all these things with the government. Oh, they're everywhere in the world. And so everywhere in the world, people face discrimination. So forth. Even in India, some of you from South India, skin is darker and you go to North India, skin is lighter. Treated differently. 
because you're not from their state or part of the country. So you always want to celebrate, as we celebrate in the natural, we also want to celebrate in the spiritual. We want to celebrate our liberties. And we don't want to put people under oppression. We want to help people to be free. And we do that how we treat them, how we react to them, how we uh, uh, bless them and so forth in life. In our state with Native American uh, reservations and so forth. Many people have been mistreated for years. Many people. Years ago, we had, we had a couple here from the state of Hawaii. Uh, came to SDSU and so forth from the state of Hawaii. He was kind of a championship surfer. So different being a landlocked state. And she was at a grocery store. And she's Hawaiian. So her skin was a little bit darker. And when she was at the grocery store, the one, one uh, person bagging groceries looked at her, threw the bag down, and walked away. Wasn't going to bag her groceries. Things like that really make me quite livid. <laughs> have to remember, stay calm, Dave, stay calm. You know, Jesus never mistreated anybody. And how we respond to that? Well, we responded by saying, I am sorry, I apologize for how that white person Treated you, probably thinking she was Native American. I apologize for how that person treated you. Should never have happened in this town. And yet it does happen. One of our college students, who is a Ph.D. student, now graduated and so forth, was at an SDSU game, going to an SDSU football game. He's going into the SDSU, you know, you got your IDs and so forth like that. And guys, people are walking in, they got different things, they're walking in, they're just stamping it. One by one in front of him, passing it through. And he comes to the thing, scanned it. They stopped. Two people frisked him all the way down. He said, Pastor Dave, why would they do that to me? I said, I apologize. I apologize for those acts. He had nothing. He had no bag, nothing. They frisked him. Then everybody else passed, passed, passed. I said, I apologize for those actions that took place in our city. People kind of act sometimes like, oh, everything's just perfect. Everything's not perfect, folks. It's not perfect. Had a young lady in our church who had uh, a simple accident and so forth and then hit her head. She She bumped something and students didn't know what to do. So they called the police and they said, well, we think in America, you just let them know. Policeman comes, young policeman, Brookings policeman, it comes and says, well, Reckless driving, leaving the scene of an accident. Wrote up three charges on this girl. Three charges. She gets back from the hospital, is checked from the hospital, goes to her apartment. The police go to her apartment. Police go to her apartment, handcuff her. Put her in the car like she's a criminal. Put her in the Brookings County Detention Center. And Jeannie has to go and get her. Sad deal. Tough for her to communicate with some impairments and different things that she had. I hired an attorney. I hired an attorney. I went to the attorney. I said, this is what happened. I said, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable to be treated this way. Her name was put in the Brookings Register as if she's a criminal and really did nothing. I said, not acceptable. The attorney looked at all the stuff. He says, I'll go to bed. I said, here's some money. He called the state's attorney. 
he called the people and says, what are you doing to this girl? How do you humiliate this girl doing these things? And I said, that officer should be kicked off the force. Every charge was dropped in one day. Every charge was dropped in one day. Hallelujah. But it wasn't over yet. Why wasn't it over? Because her name was printed in the Brookings County Register. And so when she was to graduate with her Ph.D. degree and to get a degree and you Google her name, boom, up comes these charges against her. She says, Pastor Dave, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got this is what comes up on me. I Googled it, found the same thing. So we had to go to bat again, had to call the, the, the uh, register, Brookings Register, the publisher, talked. I know people down there. I said, look, is there any way we can help her? Well, it's tough. He says, it's on Google. <laughs> I said, well, let's try. Let's do what we can. He says, well, okay. I'll have to go back through all the stuff. Here's the date of the register. Here's this and that happened. Him and I worked together. And in a month, we got it cleaned off, sponged. So she could graduate. She could graduate and have a clean record because she was innocent of all that other stuff that happened. People act like, oh, this is, everything's just perfect. Now, folks, let's understand me. I'm in a different world than you are. A lot of you don't even know students that come here. I know all of them. And then I have children that are of different race. Now, think about that. But we live in a white society. And so you have to understand, you have to understand, you have to, you have to look at things on how things are for other people. We've been in many nations, we are the only white people. We're the only white people. So we have many people looking at us like, why are you here? I always tell Jeannie, walk slow and wave. Just walk slow and wave, we smile, people then smile at us to let them know we're friendly, we have good intentions. But you have to understand, you have to understand, this is the world in which you live in. So you can't sweep things under the rug and say, well, not every, there are no problems here. I just gave you several examples in our city. Understand me? Like, like my kids, they're playing basketball in a park in Sioux Falls. They're playing basketball and so forth. And you know, they're teenagers and things get a little rough. And you know what happened there in Sioux Falls? They, people called the police like... There's those kids playing over there. And, and the police came over and said, they called us. What, what's going, nothing's going on. We're playing basketball. Yeah. yeah. It's a sad deal. It's a sad deal. And it's sad that when people leave Brookings, South Dakota, for many times, I'll have visits and so forth, or they'll ask me questions, but it's a sad deal that I have to explain to them, just be careful. Because someone may discriminate, uh, discriminate against you purely on the basis of the tone of your skin. Don't know you at all, but purely because of that, oh, discriminate. I said, listen, you've got a great education. You're smart people. You know things. Don't be offended. Just go out and prove yourself. Amen? Amen? Just go out and prove yourself. Remember the couple that went to... I didn't plan any of this. But anyway, remember the couple that went to the East Coast? So he had an internship for the summer and his PhD chemistry. And so he goes to the in, uh, East Coast. And, of course, he's in the, he's in the Boston area. 
So in the Boston area, you know, so he's there in this pharmaceutical firm, and you've got Harvard, and you've got MIT, and you've got Boston University, you've got all these people and so forth. And there's this guy from South Dakota State, and he's got dark skin. Yeah, okay, yeah, well, okay, those doing things in the lab and so forth, they're following various processes to experiment and stuff. And so then one day Felix said, well, hey, have you ever thought about doing this, this application? No, no, it doesn't work. doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. He said, have you tried it? No, it doesn't work. Okay. Uh, Felix is there by himself, and then he says, hey, do you mind if I come in later and I work? Do you mind if I come in later and do a few things in the lab? You know, fine. You know, he had free time. So Felix works on his own. Works in the day, works in the night. And then they come in one day and they said, how did you do that? What did you do? It worked. What did you do? Well, I did this and this and this and this. I said, well, we've never done that. Of course, they'd never done that. He did it. It worked. Then he did some more things, and it worked. And by the end of his, I think he had eight weeks there. By the end of the eight weeks, everybody said, "Uh, Felix, now what do you think of this? Uh, Felix, what do you think of this here? Do you think we should do this? And the head of the company, the owner of the company comes, we can't have you leave. We need you to be here. We, we need you in our company. He says, well, I have to go back. I've got a wife in Brookings, and I want to finish the degree, you know, get the paper signed, all that. By the time he left, because of his witness, because of his character, because of his work ethic, everybody wanted him. So there's things that we have to understand that go on in our world that then we can apply to spiritual things as well. We're still working for victories on all levels. In the natural and in the supernatural. Isn't that right? Still working on victories. Let's look at Isaiah 5. We'll get a few verses. Isaiah 5, verse 13. So, all these things face adversity. They face battles. But it says, people go into captivity because they have no knowledge. Now, we're talking about knowledge from the Word of God. And if we don't have knowledge from the Word of God, then we become bound. And let me just say this. It should be knowledge with balance. Let's remember that apartheid was a religious system. Apartheid in South Africa. South Africa was re- ruled by reformed people and had apartheid doctrine in their stuff. When Reinhard Bonnke went to South Africa and he had people, he went to Soweto, different places, he had African workers with him and so forth. And then the church people came into his house and said, have those people eaten off those, these dishes? He said, of course. Oh, then we can't eat here. The religious people. The religious people. And he realized, I need to get rid of these religious people. <laughs> I need, and that was his support. That was his financial support. These were all the people supporting him to win the black people. And yet they really didn't want to win the black people. They wanted the black people to be like the white people. Is a religious system based on scriptures that they gave that were wrong. 100% wrong. Very sad. I don't want to be identified with that kind of stuff. I won't be identified with that kind of, quote, Christianity. Not going to have it. People go into captivity because of lack of knowledge. Got the dead letter of the word, but no life. Isaiah 4, verse 6 says this. Oh, Hosea, excuse me. Hosea 4, 6. Do we have Hosea? There we go. Hosea 4, 6. Do we have that one? 
Okay. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, people that should know better, but then in turn, they do stuff to other people that causes destruction. Because you've rejected knowledge, I'll reject you. You've forgotten the law of God, I'll forget your children. Well, God doesn't forget us. But people, when they don't know the Bible in context, when they don't know the Bible in context, do bad things. They just do. They can become religious and harsh and judgmental and so forth, which isn't right. Amos 8, Amos 8 verse 11 says that, that the days are coming, there'll be a famine, not a bread, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. Now, folks, we're in that day today. We're in that day today. How many places in the pulpit do you hear people preaching something that's really relevant, that's really hits, hits the world where it's at? How many ministers just want to duck the issues and let's sweep it under the rug? I don't want to say that because that might offend somebody and they're a big giver. You know, Jesus really wasn't worried about offending people. For us, you've got to know who your provider is. Who your provider is. And who do you want to offend? you want to offend God or you want to offend somebody else? Well, I don't want to offend God. So there's a famine for hearing the word of God. For famine just for hearing what? Hearing truth. And yet that's no excuse because we've got the Bible and you've got to go and dig it out, right? Remember all the things we talked about, the love of God, how you love people, how you treat people. Even the, even the evil. He's kind to the, un, un, to the evil and unthankful. Think about that. The character of God. And that's the character that should be in us. Numbers 13, verse 2. So the children of Israel were given. They were given the land by promise. Okay. That's why they call it the promised land. They came out of Egypt. Egypt typology of the world. They came out of Egypt. And they were given the land by promise. Right? So, so, so he's been spy. I'm giving to the children of Israel. You're spying the land. I'm giving this. All you got to do is go and possess it. Now, how long did it take for them to possess it? Well, it was over 40 years, right? So the 12 spies looked out the land for 40 days, came back and made an evil report, a decision by vote to say, we're not able to go in and get the land. And the judgment, now this is Old Testament, but the judgment was one year for every day that they, you know, saw this blessing, but refused one year for every day. So 40 years they wandered the land. Yet it was given to them. Scriptures are given to us, but you've got to go fight for it, right? You've got to fight we're not, who, what are we fighting? We're just fighting the fight of faith. Right? We're just trusting God, right? So you have to go and possess it. So they wasted 40 years wandering around. Now, Joshua was the successor to Moses. And so Moses died, not had, saw the land from a distance, but did not entering in. So Joshua is the successor. So in Joshua 1, it says then that, that the Lord said, Be strong and have a good courage. Don't be dismayed. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Now, then Joshua commanded the officers, say, pass through the camp, get the people ready. There's a word here. Then he made a choice to act on the promises. God gave them promises. So then 
He responded. God gives us promises, and then we must have a response to the promise. You can, you can meditate on it. I understand that and so forth. But, but we've been giving, given things, and then the question is, what are we going to do with what we've been given? How are we going to react to that? It takes, it's, this is individual. This, so now it's not corporate. It's an individual thing for each person in particular. I loved years ago, there was a guy named James Robeson who was a preacher and, uh, and preached salvation and so forth, many, many things. And, and, uh, but James Robeson had a problem, and his problem was lust, sexual lust. And so James Robeson, to some of the people around him, they said, you just really need some help. You need some help over this, because he had this public figure, but no one knew what he was battling. So publicly, he preached the gospel and so forth, privately battling sexual lust. And someone said, you know, there's someone you need to meet. And he said, well, who's that? It's a guy from Michigan. First name is Victor. Victor Green. He was a carpet layer. And he said, you need to meet that guy. What? Not a minister? You want me to meet this guy? Look who I am. Look who I am. Anyway, they persuaded him. Victor comes. He's in a crusade of James Robinson. James preaching and so forth. And so later, they're at the motel. Victor had been with him just, just a couple days. Later, they're at the motel. He's a carpet layer. But he's somebody who'd been in the presence of God. Somebody who believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so uh, uh, they're, they're in the motel room, and James Rowan said, what do you think? Got a glass of water. So what do you think of, what do you think of that meeting tonight? Good meeting, good meeting. What do you think about my ministry? And he said, well, you really want to know? And the guy said, Victor, James Robinson, he said, yeah. This is all his testimony. He says, I think you're one of the most demonized men I've ever met. He was shocked. His mouth was open. He didn't know what to do. He was angry. He felt, he felt like people, had, like this guy was making fun of him. And Victor said, I tell you what. Took a chair out, set it in the, you know, in the hotel room. He said, uh, let's come over and sit down. I'll pray for you. And James Robinson said, I looked at that chair and it was like an electric chair to me. And he said, I didn't want to go sit. And he says, I thought, well, and Victor said, come on over. You sit down. I'll pray for you. Amen. Finally, James Robinson went over. There was other staff, people in the room. He sat down in the chair. And Victor laid his hands on him. Amen. Commanded the demons to flee. Amen. And James Robinson got up from that chair. He said, I was a free man. He called, first thing he did is he called his wife. And he said before, it was like a claw in his brain, just stuck in his brain. He couldn't get rid of it like a, like a hook, barb. He couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. And he called his wife. He says, honey, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> free by someone who wasn't, quote, a preacher. Free by someone who went in and claimed the promises. Free by someone who just believed the word of God. And in the meantime, dug it out and possessed the land. Second Peter 1. That's a good testimony. James Robinson still shares some of that testimony. Wow. I heard him when he first shared the testimony. Wow. Grace and peace now can be multiplied. Think about this. Think about him. How many Christians? Let's look at the last two years. How many Christians look, 
look judgment, judgmental, vindictive, maybe no peace. I always look at that and think, oh, they're not in the Bible. They're not in the Bible. If you're angry and you have judgment, all that, you're not in the Bible. I don't care what you say, because this says that it'll be multiplied. Hallelujah. I love God's math through the knowledge of God, which is the word of God. It's multiplied grace and peace. Ah, the world can get worse and worse. Ah, we can just be in peace. Ah, we can be we can be in grace. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be upset. I don't have whatever. I don't have to be. You don't have to be. We don't have to be. Nobody has to be in the body of Christ. Because it's multiplied through the knowledge of God, which is the word of God and Jesus Christ. So the word of God, the word of God will bless your life in the natural and the supernatural. Just causes your body to be at rest. So it's multiplied. Now his divine power, the Holy Spirit has given to us all things. Say all things. So he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't that amazing? To this life and to godliness, the natural, the supernatural, he's given us everything. Now, how do we know that? Well, it's through the knowledge of God, through the word of God. If a person isn't reading the word of God, you can't. How can you expect God's blessings if you don't know the word of God? You don't even know what's offered to you. Many people just pray that it's like the shotgun approach. And Lord, thank you for blessing me. I wonder how he wants to be blessed. What what is he believing for? So he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the word of God. This is always the thing. This is like the last will and testament. This is the covenant, the new covenant, the new testament. By this we know we're partakers of his divine nature. Divine nature. Godly nature. Power of God. Now don't get too excited on me here. I want to make sure we don't get this too loud here so they can still hear me on the tape. But this is how it is, folks. This is how it is a lot of places. People do. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, sounds good. It all sounds good, but you've got to get in the book to get it. It's not osmosis. I wish, I wish the biology factor kicked in here. You know, we just had it. And th- thank God I'm getting it all. I receive it. It's coming down. I got it. Whoo, I got it all. Doesn't happen that way. It's not a prayer. Getting the Holy Ghost line will shake you a little bit or something. You got it. You got it. Not that. Say it all you want. Not that. This comes down where you're by yourself. You're in the Word, preferably early in the morning before your day starts. You're in the Word. You're For who? For you. Reading the will, looking at things, realizing, wait a minute, I've been given all these things. Wow, I've got this. So by this, He's given us exceeding great and precious promises. Well, what are the promises? It's His promises, so they has to be in His Word, Right? Not my promises. My word is like this, you know, when it comes to all those things. This word is solid. (laughs) These exceeding great, great, exceeding great, precious. By these, by these promises. Not by your church attendance. Not by how much money you give. Not by your prayers. Hmm? Not none of those. Through the word of God. 
It's through the word of God that we begin to partake. God had the word. It is the word. Say the word. There's no substitute. Jeannie, Jeannie can't do it for me. Honey, let me lay, let me lay your hand, my hands on you and I'll just impart what I got today. Can't happen. I've seen ministers in prayer lines. You want my anointing? Just come on up out and go pass my anointing. This double portion, I'm going to pass it on to you. Not going to happen. Folks, that's all bogus. I'm just telling you, that's all bogus stuff. That doesn't happen that way. It's not like, Ooh, now I'm anointed. For what? Do you know the Word of God? If you don't know the Word of God, you still don't know the promises. If you don't know the promises, you can't be a partaker of His divine nature. Can't walk in victory. You can get blessed in a prayer line. Hallelujah. Been blessed many times. And by the way, while I'm on it, people, people get in big meetings and say, we're going to have a double portion, just like Elijah, a double portion anointing. Folks, that's Old Testament. New Testament, there's no double portion. The portion is infinite. Infinite portion. I've been in meetings. I don't want a double portion. I don't want twice. I want infinite. If he gives the Holy Spirit without measure, why would I settle for two times? But why do people, why do people get all sucked into it? Old Testament. Elisha got the double portion. You want the double portion? Yes. Jeannie and I are from... People are running in the front and we're sitting in the front row yet. I don't want the double portion. Believe for more than that. Why? Because we know the Word of God. Amen. We're in the New Testament. Amen. And He gives the Spirit without measure. Like, lay it on me. Some days I feel, whoa, like double. Some days I'm quadruple. Hell, let's go. Same glory. Same glory of Jesus. We're not talking about Elijah and Elisha. We're talking about Jesus. Someone a whole lot bigger than Elijah and Elisha. So we've been giving these promises. That's how you partake of the divine nature. Here's a line. Escaped the corruption of the world that's through lust. What does that mean? It means there's battles. Took them a long time, children of Israel, get in the promised land. But it means there's battles. Battles to face. What's, what's one of the battles is your own flesh. Oh, I don't have time to read the Bible. I need some breakfast. I have time for the Bible. Oh, it's late. I've had a long day at work. I don't have time to read the Bible. But you understand, Lord. Yeah, he understands that we're lazy. He understands that, our, that we, the, the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, which applies to all of us. I realize my flesh is very weak. Many times, early in the morning, I'm thinking, oh, one more hour. Then I'm thinking, and I've had the one more hour, and then I've gotten up thinking, oh, why did I get that one more hour? Just wasted an hour. So these are great and precious promises and that we have to push through our flesh and so forth to experience God's divine nature. Amen. Amen. You ever sit down to read your Bible and all of a sudden you're tired? Oh, oh. tired. Ever down, sit down and read your Bible and all of a sudden, oh, I should do that. I've got to take care of that thing quick and then not get back. I've got to take care of that task. I've got to do that in the yard. I've got to go do this. All just normal things. 
2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are yes and amen. They're green lights. So, he is not a respecter of persons. So he can take anybody, a carpet layer from Michigan. He can take anybody and flow through them in the power of the Holy Ghost and do great things. Amen. It doesn't, you know, Smith Wigglesworth is a plumber. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your career, your vocation, whatever. You're called into the New Testament ministry. You and I are called into the New Testament ministry. Yes, there are some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I understand that. Five-fold ministry. That's true. Leaders in the body of Christ. True. However, every person is called into ministry. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. We are all called into the ministry. We are all called to do bigger things than we ever thought possible. We're all called for this. It isn't a question of where you come from. It's all a question of who you believe in. So a couple more quick. Mark chapter 10. So here's the story about blind Bartimaeus. I want to point out one thing. You know the whole story. He's by the wayside uh, begging and so forth like that. Jesus is going by. He hears about Jesus. So undoubtedly, he probably heard about maybe Jesus going into Jericho. I don't know, coming out of Jericho. But he'd heard about Jesus, and he knew that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That's why he called him Son of David. And so blind Bartimaeus, you know, and remember the story... Finally, he gets to Jesus, and Jesus actually says, what do you want? What does that mean? It's specific. Because I just want a blessing. Uh, Okay, what what is that blessing? Articulate it. What is the blessing? You want a new mat to sit on? Need some new clothes? What do you want? And blind Bartimaeus looked at Jesus and said, I want to see. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And his eyes opened up. And he began to see. I like that. Be specific. Write down your notes. Be specific. Well, you don't, most of you don't have notes. You're not writing anything. Some of you do, but be specific. <laughs> and turn to your name and say, be specific. So let's look at verses 47, 48. Let's look at verse 47, 48 in the Amplified. So blind Bartimaeus, when he heard it was Jesus, he began to shout. I like that. He put it out there. He began to shout. Now notice... Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly rebuked him. Hey, 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 shh. He's a busy guy here. Look at your beggar here. He's a busy guy. Don't bother him. Sternly, that's a strong word, and rebuke is a strong word. So they sternly rebuked the blind man, all right? And they told him, keep still, be quiet. Kind of like a lot of churches. Don't say anything, be quiet. This, This is reverence. This is what reverence looks like. I always thought that in my, growing up. I always thought you go in the church and, you know, you just stood there. That's reverence. And then we let people left, they smoke their cigarettes and do all their stuff, go to have beer and stuff. But that was reverent then, piety. And we've all learned wrong. That isn't reverence. People say, well, be still and know that I'm God. Yeah, there's a place for that. But most of the time, it's shouting, <laughs> victory, praises, Amen. and all the other stuff. I always tell people, you know, church or heaven's a pretty noisy place. If you don't like it now, you're going to have a tough time there because it is loud. It is loud. I'm just telling you, it is loud. It won't hurt your ears because you're in heaven, but it is loud. So the guy, the blind man shouting, they rebuked him sternly. So be quiet and so forth. And notice what it says. But he kept on shouting. And then it says, all the more. <laughs> So the question then is, how much do you want? How much do you want the blessing? 
Now, if I talk to Christians in general, say, you want to be blessed? Oh, yeah, I want to be blessed. Well, how much do you want the blessing? What's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? The blessing of God, the promises of God. What's it worth to you? How much are you willing to pursue Jesus and his promises? Now, this isn't a cost factor like money. Isn't it irritating on Christian TV and stuff? And you give this offering here and your prayers will be answered, blah, blah, blah. All wrong. Don't give one dime to something like that. God never put a price tag on prayer. Never, never put a price tag on healing. And get your miracle here. And for everybody who gives us $55 and 65 cents. Click next channel. I have been in meetings. I have been in meetings where people on an offering. Understand this. People on an offering, like they were hurtling, leaped over chairs to get to the front. And the offering was $125,000. It gave all kinds of stuff. How do I know that? The pastor said it. So the pastor's got, I won't say the national minister who gave the offering appeal. But the next day, the pastor said, you know, I think I really made a mistake because of how people were abused. Many probably gave money they didn't even have. It wasn't even that big of a meeting. 125000 bucks. They leaped over chairs, over empty promises. The only one who can back up a promise is the King of Kings. That's the one who backs up promises, is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the thing. Because people are always saying, oh, if I do this, we're, we're, something's gonna, something good's going to happen this week. Folks, something always good is going to happen. <laughs> you should wake up expecting something good to happen. Amen? I don't get to the end of the month thinking, oh, while well, we made it through the month, hope I can get to the next one. No, something's always good going to happen. Because we serve a good God. Amen? That's just the way it is. Again, when you know the Bible, the Bible sets you free. And it keeps you free so that you can walk in the Spirit. So blind Bartimaeus pursued Jesus. And all the more, all the more, all the more shouting. He's shouting. And then all the more. He's shouting. First, First Timothy 6 then. It says, you fight the good fight of faith. So I fight. What do I, what do I stand against? I stand against my flesh. I stand against lying thoughts in my head. I stand against those. I'm fighting a good fight of faith. It's a good fight because I'm laying hold of promises. Causes me to partake of his divine nature, which is really good. So I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Thank you, Jesus. I put my faith out there for these. Every day I'm putting my faith on the word of God. Every day I write things down. Put my faith on it. I put dates on it. I put my faith on it. Standing, standing, standing. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith, all right? You lay hold, you flee the things of the flesh, all right? But, but it says you lay hold on eternal life, all right? Lay hold. Grab on the things that are eternal. You have a good confession of faith, a good confession of the promises of faith before many people. Amen? Amen? So Jesus has given us this power. Jesus has given us this power. The Bible has authorized us. People say, well, who are you to believe that? I'm nobody, but I've got this here. I've got a book loaded of them. What kind of denomination? No, no, no denomination. What kind of church? It isn't about a church. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the book. It's all about the word. Isn't that right? That's, that's what it gets down to. 
So we have had this emancipation from bondage. We've been given the power to be free, so I'm fighting for my freedom. Because it's my spiritual right. So let's close this. John 16, verse 33. So Jesus said, I've overcome the world. He's already overcome the world. He's already done it. He's already won. So now he's given it to me and says, Dave, you can do it. You can do it too. You can do it too. Now, why is this important? It's important for you. It's important for your family or your spouse or your children or your grandchildren or your friends. It's important to those that you work with. That they see, what do, they want to, what do we want them seeing us? They see Jesus. We love Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? Isn't that right? If you follow things that are in the Bible, it just keeps you free. Free. Freedom. Amen. I'll say it again. This is for all believers, any country. The Bible is, I tell people all the time, Bible's not an American book. It wasn't written by Americans. It wasn't written for Americans. It was written for the world, right? It's a Middle Eastern book. It's a cultural book. So therefore, therefore, it is for anybody who believes, trust Jesus Savior first, but then you believe the promises for anybody. Amen. Amen. You know, I, Jeannie, you just got that word last week from, there's a pastor in Yemen. Yemen has just gone through a brutal civil war. And uh, Shiites, Sunnis, people fighting this kind of a proxy war with Iran and Saudi Arabia, and they're fighting just terrible, terrible stuff. And I was preaching in India, in this minister conference and so forth, and he said, oh, he was so blessed. And he said, I want you to come. I want you to come in my, to my country. I want you to preach. We need the word like this and so forth. And I said, yeah. I said, well, we're in India. Where are you from? Well, he's Indian, but he's ministering in Yemen. And his town where the church is at is Sanaa. And Sanaa, I said, well, I thought Sanaa was destroyed. We follow world events all the time. I thought Sanaa was destroyed. No, 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 not all Sanaa. Where we're at, it's not destroyed yet. He said, but, but he said, you could come and preach. And he just sent us a note this last week encouraging us and so forth. And, I, you know, I get, you get invitations like that. And I say, well, Lord, you'd have to show me to go to Sanaa. And then he said, oh, there's a great testimony. I said, Oh, what's the testimony? Well, we were in church, and I think there was 18 of them in their church, and they had their Bibles and so forth like that. And in came the uh, ISIS, and in, in, in they came, and they had their AK-47. So first they, they took the chairs, they destroyed them, they took the Bibles and burned them, and then they lined them up against the wall. And he said, well, we knew we were all dying, we are all going to heaven. And they took their gun, and nothing worked. They took the, thing, the cartridge thing again, and the trigger wouldn't go off. They're like three, three guys doing this. Finally, they just left. Of course, me, I'm thinking, and you want me to come and preach in your church? Yeah. These people are walking in victory. I mean, it's just kind of, it's, it's really amazing. These are real life things. And what's he doing? We're going to go preach the gospel. He's not moving. He's not go to another place. No, they're going to preach the gospel. They got a hold on promises. Yeah. It's really good. These are, this is for us. Amen? Amen. So let's lift our hands a second. Father, we thank you for your word that is true. The Bible that is true. The New Testament is our covenant today. 
And we thank you, Lord, for working victory into our lives. And I pray you'd help each person here to walk in the Spirit. To yield to the Spirit and not to the flesh. I pray you'd help each one of us, Lord, to be a Bible student. To know the Word of God. Lord, that we could walk in your liberty and freedom. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us. Private tutoring. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us, nurtures us, comforts us, ministers to us and through us. Lord, I thank you. We are lights to this world. We are lights. Every person here, Lord, a light to their community, to their area. People overseas, they are lights. We thank you, Lord, for anointing them with good news, great news for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Bless one another. Greet some of the friends that are here today as well. Amen. Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.